0: This is your host, David Barker.
1: And this is your co-host, Luke Murphy.
0: You are listening to another episode of the BTY Radio.
1: A podcast aimed to help you become better than you were yesterday. We're recording Um, episode 18 or 19, I think. We've got Payon um, or the the powerlifting physio or the, the owner of PB Physio. Um so I think David and myself have been following you for I think I've been following you for a little bit now and just because I think we both kind of started in that kind of powerlifting um kind of world and I, I guess even what we do now is very um I guess the powerlifting or the barbell movements are, you know, the foundation yeah. to a lot of CrossFit movements. Um and you seem to have, you know, a, a decent kind of uh, reach within that field. Um, and you were just telling us a little bit of a story uh, off air, so we might jump into a little bit about you, your background in some physio, uh, how you got into powerlifting, and then maybe a little bit as to kind of where you're at
0: now.
2: Yeah, sweet. So I'm I'm Pay. So I'm known as Powerlifting Physio on Instagram. Um, I just started my company PB Physio about two years ago, almost two years ago, um, focusing on a lot of strength athletes. Um, how I got into how I got into powerlifting. So I actually was a physio. Um and I, I started as a physio and I was treating more general population. And then I met like one of my co-workers and he was like, and I was just, you know, general training. I want to get abs, whatever. <laughs> um, and then I met one of my, my co-workers and he said, Hey, why don't you try powerlifting? So I said, but I've heard like I couldn't I can't deadlift. I hurt my back a while ago, but I did it and it was great. So I like got really hooked. And he said, "Hey, head up to your first powerlifting comp." And I'm like, "Okay." Um, and at first I didn't really want to go head up to a powerlifting comp because, like, I used I was uh, used to have like woman's anxiety, so I didn't really like going in front of people. But I was like, you know what, just challenge myself and do it and that will like, yeah, I know, if you put yourself, keep putting yourself into those situations you eventually overcome it. So I did that and then um, my husband looked up the numbers and he was like, you can make nationals and I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, um, no pressure but let's, let's do it. <laughs> we went, I went, I was heading up to the comp nicely. I was doing 87 and a half for three reps for my squat. I had just I had done my top set. I did 87 and a half for three reps. The second set uh, or the second rep, I fell forward and I felt something in my back and I was like, crap. And then I was like, no, but I have to finish the, the program. So I finished it <laughs> and then I went home and I was like I, couldn't, like, I just, it's the, like, I couldn't bend, I couldn't do anything. So I was like, oh no. Then I'm like, ah, it's probably just Dom's. So the next day I went (laughs) to Berlin and I picked up the bar and I couldn't pick up the bar. And I'm like, crap. I'm done. (laughs) Then what I did was um, I was really stubborn about it. So I decided um, I want to make nationals. So what are the numbers to make nationals? And I can do the minimum required to make nationals for the cutoff point. Um, my my at that time my boss and everyone was like you're crazy don't do it stop it and I'm like no I'm gonna do it so you can either watch me or you can say anything <laughs> 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 so I went out to call I went to um a GP and I said give me um the strongest painkillers you have <laughs> um so she gave me Mobic and then I was I talked to a friend who was a pharmacist at that time and she I said. So like, and she told me, you know, you can actually mix Mobic with Panadol because they, they're different, but yeah. they'll help you. So once like an anti-inflammatory, once a painkiller. So I said, okay. So did that. Um, took one squat, three bench, and one deadlift because I was more flexion that gave me pain. Um, <laughs> at the last deadlift, The guy that was handling me, the guy that was coaching me, was like, You sure you want to do this? Like, you can't pull the bar. And I'm like, I've come this far and now you want to stop. You can't, you (laughs) can't put on me. He said, said, Um, like, I feel like I need to make you sign something. I'm like, Okay, sign it. Like, give it to me and I'll sign it. And then he changed. So I'm actually, I was actually in a conventional deadlifter and I guess I couldn't pull the 20 kilo and I needed to pull. 90 80 80 what I can't remember what number it was. it was 80 something or 90 he said how about you change to sumo now because it is better on you it feels it will feel better on your back and I'm like I don't remember last time I sumo." so then this chick just goes to me just break your legs and pull <laughs> <laughs> and, and you did I, it I, yeah I did it and then I, <laughs> um I made nationals and the problem though was that I could not get back to training for national. Yeah. because like, I'd, I'd keep getting back under the bar and then I would go 60 I'd manage to get to 60 and then it'll happen again and again yeah. and, and it just kept happening and then um, I think it took me a year and a bit before it like I, I just kept going back and forth like that and I was just like getting really depressed I was getting really like Just, I don't know, like, you know, you can't say hitting a wall and then you keep getting weaker and weaker. And then I'm like, why is it that I'm a physio and I can treat the general pop to get them back to, you know, their everyday activities, but I can't treat myself. So I felt a bit like, I was like, cop out. And I was like, that's that's crap. And so um, for that whole year, I just kept trying to go back and I started just reading up more and more about, like facts about like um, different treatment styles. I started looking up different physios and um, like finding out more about them. And then at the same time, when I went for that comp, there was this actually this other chick that was competing that hurt her back too. Um, and I reached out to her on Instagram because we were actually in the same gym in Adonis Athletics. Yeah. But I trained in the morning at 5 a.m. and she, she she trained in the evening. So I sent her a message and I said, hey, uh, I can look at your back for you. And then I said, oh, oops, I'm actually a physio, not some creeper. (laughs) (laughs) Hey. So she replied and then she showed up at my house at
0: night. (laughs) Keeps getting weirder.
2: Yeah, yeah. She showed up at my house at night. She took a chance and she just said, all right, like, let's do this. And so I said, okay, I'll treat you. And I started treating her. And that comp, I couldn't, I couldn't pull the weight. But she actually managed to, to to get to pull way more and like compete a lot be- in a lot better condition than I was. So that was like the start of it.
0: <laughs> yeah, awesome. That's pretty cool because not many people would sort of, um, you know, take ownership of that sort of situation and go, "Hang on a minute, like I'm a physio and yeah. I can treat, you know, the general population, but I, I can't." Um, take care of myself and, you know, to be able to own that and then go out and better yourself um, and be in the position where you are now is fantastic. So hats yeah. off to you. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, what, what sort of numbers did you, do you pull at the moment or what's your total? and how much um, do you weigh?
2: So at nationals in October last year, I did a 97 and a half squat, a 65 bench um, that was the record at the moment, at that time, I think. Someone's just beat, someone's beaten it. Uh, deadlift was 130. Wow. Now, I'm ho- well, I was meant to head up to World Championships next month, but because of Corona.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> but I've just recently done one or two and a half squat. My bench, um, two weeks ago, I did 66 and a half for two by two. So I'm Hoping I get 72 and a half, fingers crossed, for single. Um, deadlift, the most I've done is 132 and a half, I think, but I've, oh, I can't remember that. Two weeks ago, I did 120 something for reps, so.
0: Wow. And, and what's your body weight? <laughs>
2: Um, I'm in the 52 kilo weight class, so yeah, i moved.
0: Mind blowing. Yeah. What's what's Amir feed you guys out there? He's got a ton of <laughs> strong athletes.
2: It's the mindset. Amir has like a ridiculous mindset. Like yeah. he like he. If you ask him what he did like a few comps ago, he decided to go on his honeymoon. The comp was shifted to after his honeymoon. Um, after he booked the honeymoon, yeah. so when he was on holidays in the like, he had no gym, um, and yet he pulled all. He went to comp. He he arrived in Sydney five days later. He went to comp for states, and he pulled all p um, and lifted all PBs.
0: <laughs> mm. <laughs> That's I'm insane. Like,
2: and all and he did was like leg Preston
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and he's deadlifting what like over
0: three hundred. Hey, yeah, like, yeah, like three.
2: I don't know, three twenty. Yes. Don't quote me because it might
0: be too long. <laughs> so that must be um, a pretty cool experience to surround yourself with such world-class lifters, coaches, and um, you know, be a high-caliber physio like yourself. Um, that's a pretty cool environment to be in on a, on a regular basis. You're getting good exposure to uh, quality athletes and, and you're doing some amazing work, uh, work with you. How that sort of transformed you as a physio?
2: Um, as in terms of like in terms of in physio, I feel like um the field itself that I find a lot of people tend a lot of physios tend to be too mental therapy based. um there's nothing wrong with mental therapy. I feel like there is a place for it to get what you uh, the strength you want to achieve or the um the technique you want to achieve. but if you are just purely mental therapy, um it won't cross over to like your performance yeah. like yeah so i feel like that's the 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 problem is there needs to be so mental therapy would be here and like performance would be here yes yeah? so like yeah. athletic performance there's this middle part here that a lot of people miss yeah so once you get once you do mental therapy to get some sort of mobility the mobility is just passive mobility so um You can't utilize that passive mobility until you learn how to use it, right? Right. So you put that into teaching them uh, the movement pattern by isolating it first, get that movement pattern right, teach them how the muscles how to use it. Then once it has memorized the movement pattern, you start loading it up, and then there's um, performance here. But what people tend to do is go, stop doing this and do this and this. But they don't understand that in order for you to get that um, movement pattern to seal the the movement pattern, you need to be practicing the performance part of it. So yeah. Yeah. it is all rehab as long as uh, they all rehab. And then as long as you tweak it to give an athlete, let's say uh, a movement pattern focus before they are, they train, it infuses into each other.
1: Yeah, Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's a very integrated approach, isn't it? And yes. I think that's what, um, a lot of people are are missing right now. And I think even from a recovery point of view, I think we could kind of, you know, move directly probably into like a mobility kind of segue from there, um, yeah. because they're kind of on the same, same kind of, um, uh, line and the uh, same kind of misconception, I think. And I think, um, like I think to put that in normal kind of terms for someone that uh, manual therapy, we're referring to like massage or some like soft tissue work. So maybe foam rolling trigger ball.
2: Yeah.
1: And then movement patterns, obviously we're referring to what could be a squat or something along those lines.
2: Yeah. And then like breaking down those movement patterns. So if you're thinking squat, what, what is the ankle doing? What is the big toe doing? What is the knee, the hip doing? What is it doing passively first? what is doing uh, mo- and most of uh, you can assess it passively as a physio, but most importantly, what is, is it doing actively? If you yeah. have that passive, cont- uh, passive movement, that does not mean you have that active mobility or that active control.
1: And that passive movement is, uh, what's a rough description of passive movement for that people that aren't aware?
2: Movement, if I'm going to test, uh, uh, oh, this perfect. If I'm going to test like a knee <laughs> to wall, people love this test yeah if I going to set the knee to wall and the uh, most people say ten centimeter ten centimeters of knee to wall is enough for a squat and then you can clear the ankle for for the ability to squat but ten centimeters of a knee to wall is technically passive so your body you actually push it into that position right your muscles aren't actually doing yeah. it you're yeah. pushing it into the position so yeah. A lot of times with knee to wall if you push into that position you can get 10 centimeters yes your joint range is great but you don't if you can if i get you lying down and dorsiflexing that's you using your tip end muscle to bring it there to dorsiflexion yeah, yeah that's yeah. mobility sometimes you can have passive mobility of 10 centimeters and it's amazing but you have active mobility of zero and then you yeah. can't actually utilize it to um dorsiflex which is bring your toe to your
1: knee yeah Yeah. so what that might look like would be you know like a like an active there and a passive yes
2: yeah Yeah, exactly so
1: so i think we can probably i think we 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 were planning to go down this route anyway to kind of segue as i said into that mobility um type overall quality of movement especially for weightlifting especially for crossfit um because as we, we we had an earlier episode earlier in the week and we're talking about how advanced these movements are um so what is a so obviously what's a better way um of i guess assessing our active range of motion and then if we're looking to improve that active range of motion obviously it's not going to be passive tre- well as you said it could be tra- passive treatments initially to create that short term range and yeah. then what are we looking to do to integrate that as you said we're bringing it back down but what's an example kind of maybe through a squat um, okay
2: let's give you a, I'll give you an example of it. yeah so passive mobility, when I test the passive mobility of a uh, a squat, let's say, the first thing I'll look for is hip flexion, knee flexion, and um, ankle dorsiflexion. So the passive mobility, I'll probably get them lying on their back, on um, on the bed, and then I'll, I'll move it into that position. Yeah. Um, and then I'll test it. So usually I'll think if I want hip flexion, I want, if it's an all-in lifter, I want the, uh, Board, kind of touching their last rib. And that's a passive mobility because I push them there. Uh, for powerlifter, you don't need that much. It will be great if you have, but you can have like uh, two fingers off. Two fingers off, is about 10 degrees off roughly. So for an uh, lifter, I want 145 degrees. For powerlifter, I want 135. Um, then I know that passively, that's pretty good. If that person gets to 145 degrees, um, passively, you have that ability to get there, so it's not really a joint uh, restriction um, but then I'll get them, let's say seated, have you heard of this? So is leg lift?
1: I so, can imagine it, I think
2: yeah. So you're sitting, let's say sitting on a chair, sitting up straight and you're trying to block all the other joints from moving, right? so you're going to go into hip flexion directly mm-hmm. um, sitting up straight, put your knees together so you don't internally or externally rotate your hip and then you bring your knee up to your rib again. Yes. And yeah. that is active mobility because gravity is pulling you down this way. Yeah. You have to use your muscles to bring it up. Um, and most of the time you'll see the people that have problems making depth, they sometimes can get that passive mobility, not not all the way, but they they struggle so much with that active mobility and they start cramping in the, their mm. hip flexors. Um, and that's the lack of ability to use your, your muscles to get that active range.
1: That's awesome. So Mm. then it would come back to strength in that area. And the answer
2: ultimately is, I I reckon the answer ultimately is strength, but you need to be able to, um, basically think of it like strength conditioning. You know how you have to constantly load up, but you have to start easy an easy exercise first and then you go up. Mm Mm-hmm. Kind of similar concept. So I need to find out what exactly is restricted um, passively, actively. Then I will give them specific exercises to target that that range. So if I'm going to do a squat, I'm going to break it down to these body parts, yeah? And then I will get them doing a hip flexion exercise. And then after I get you doing a hip flexion exercise, you've got that range. Um, you've 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 got that um, movement pattern. Then I'll get you squatting so you can use the movement pattern you just learned into your squat. Yeah,
0: yeah. So that's that's a huge part of the missing link. Yes, mm. right, and which is and what you're is, talking about and in, in integrating yeah. it. Because my yeah. personal experience with physios is treating maybe the ankle. Um, yeah. But a lot of the times, the ankle or the knee that might be the symptom of the actual problem that's that's being that's caused the, the injury um, yes. and they're not looking further down the chain to actually go, okay, well, all right, we've treated and we've um, improved the restriction through your ankle, but what caused it and how are we going to build you yes. back to squatting? Um, yep. And that, that's 100%. been my experience. I've never had anyone say anything like you just said before.
2: Um, okay. So that's, yeah. That's so fantastic. the most, the biggest thing as what I find is that the, an athlete goes in to physio, and then they go, I have a problem. I have like, I'm going to use Josh as an example because he's sitting right in front of me. Um, <laughs> I have back pain when I snatch. And then you go, oh, you have back pain when you snatch. You just assess the back. But you're not looking at the snatch. Like
0: yeah.
2: yep. So Josh's back moves like really well, like into flexion, extension, everything moves really well. But then he has back pain when he snatched. So if you don't look at his snatch movement, I don't understand how you would be able to solve it. Yeah. Um. So then what I did was when I looked at him snatch, he snatched like I made him snatch in the clinic. So I like will put I'll put a note when everyone has an appointment, bring your lifting gear in because you're gonna lift in front of me. Yeah. Um. He came in and he snatched, and I realized that when he was snatching, he was. So, in weightlifting, everything is about chest up and looking straight, like lats tight. Yeah. He was so, in his technique, he was so high up that he was just not even using his muscles to make uh, and his core to maintain that position. He was just hinging from that joint.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and that's what caused his back pain.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, so, we just needed him to switch it and think. Give him cues, um, exercises that are easier and then slowly cue him also in his his training to use it because you can give someone an exercise to strengthen it, but if they've been doing it for like 10 years or whatever, like he has, he's not going to change his technique because that's his, he's memorized that pattern. The only way to change it is to give him that exercises, teach him, this is what we want to turn on. And then while he's lifting again, um, just I just did the bar with him, and then we just slowly showed him. Okay, now think of turning this on, and then he did it. And then after a while, he just got it. And then he's he's he never had like his back was never a problem anymore.
0: Yeah, but if you don't, yeah, you just created a a new neural pathway um, and a new movement pattern, and made him aware of it. Because there's no way you'd be able to do that. Just go, go get treated, find out what the problem is, get a an exercise to strengthen it, then go back in and, and put the the weight on that Josh is moving, um, yeah. and be able to just magically, um, you know, pull it off in that new fashion. So, um, yeah, that's a huge missing link in redeveloping movement patterns and um, finding out, you know, what where the problem's stemming from identifying it and then actually giving them guidelines to follow. Um, Yes.
2: Yeah. So what an interesting thing is that people don't, so people don't think it actually um, shows an effect immediately. So a lot of physios tend to be like um, I'll assess and then I will just give these core exercises and then um, I'll tell them to stop training and in four weeks time, then I can get them training. But yeah. it actually works so well. Like it can, it has an effect, an immediate effect. If you target the right muscle, for them to go from, I will get them lifting, and then they'll have pain. I'll give them a manual therapy exercise and that that cue, and the next thing you know, they're lifting the same weight without pain. And it can be, it's not the bar. It can be like, let's say one twenty with 60 kilos with pain, they can go up to like 140 without pain when they use that pain in that session.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You
2: know, within half an hour. So that's like so important how that movement pattern, like just switches on, like your muscles just do it. But then yeah. obviously you got to keep practicing it. So it becomes the, the normal movement pattern. Yeah, normal. The yeah. movement pattern.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so we, might, mm-hmm. we might use that to move into pain. I know you kind of alluded to it then. Um, but I think a lot of people experience some kind of pain, um, whether it be a little niggle or something a little bit more serious and the first kind of reaction or the first uh, bit of advice is to stop doing pretty much everything that they're doing, um, yeah. especially what caused that pain. Um, so just generally like in, in just principles, how would you go about kind of recommending people? um to i guess that whole continuum of pain and when to really hold back when to stop doing everything is there a time to stop doing everything everything how often would you tell someone to just stop doing everything and just rest um and what are the times if if it's more likely to ease back into some um some smaller less intense weight
2: okay so usually when they come in it's also a personality thing like i'll look at the person's personality too um Mm -hmm some is like as you talk to them and you assess them you'll start you'll start knowing the people that just will um go and keep going and keep going regardless of the pain
1: mm-hmm.
2: um but then there's also those that are fearful so pain pain is like such a complex topic <laughs> yeah. um it oh man yeah so when i when we When I, what I tell the physios when I um, train them up is uh, like pain is quite physical and mental at the same time. Um, When you're, when you're rehabbing someone, you need to train both the physical and mental aspect at the same time. So with rehab, it's not just physical, like physio is not just about physical, physically making you better because you need to get that person to have the confidence of lifting it again and stop them overthinking like, oh, do I feel it? Do I feel it? Do I feel it? Because that fear is actually intertwined with pain. So if you um, read like, uh, what's it, Laramier mostly? He talks about it a lot, about pain being a perception of danger. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you re- reduce that danger and that physical uh, aspect gets better and you reduce that danger, then they both recover um, yeah. at the same time. If you rehab them physically but not mentally, you will never be able to, to properly rehab them. Yeah. Um. So, oh man. So the, I guess the answer to the question is, I'll look at them. If I'll give them a general guideline. If it's like a like really, um, some really elite level athletes, just like keep going and keep going, even though it hurts. And yeah, most of the time when you're heading up to calm, there is some some sort of pain or some sort of discomfort. Uh, I'll give them a a general guideline of staying under four out of ten pain. Mm. Um. And it depends on the situation. If they're heading up to comp and they want something, um, I will. I will let them know. You will have some pain. You're heading up to comp. What? How do we? How do we reduce it so that you can still perform? And they they make the decision as well. Yeah. Most of the time, though, I want them com- like completely pain free. By pain free, I mean not like pain free to perform the movement. Most of the time, if you know you're heading out to calm, you're going to be feeling really like just sore. Yeah. What's the difference between sore and pain and how, what, how much can you handle as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that was, yeah, answered really well. And I think that again is something that people don't really speak about in terms of rehab, either that whole mental side of thing, which is quite a holistic kind of approach and it's embodying a lot more than just the physical treatment, um, which I think is super interesting as well. I think that's just where a lot of people kind of is that is that what you see as well like a lot of people have that outdated model?
2: Yes, yeah, because I just, it's not you some like you need to treat the athlete as like a person versus a, a body part. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. And I think again going back to my experiences um, the body wasn't treated as a whole. It was treated as parts in isolation. In isolation, so they were just looking at my ankle they weren't actually looking at what how tight my hips were or how how tight my thoracic spine was or uh what my actual squat looked like and hey maybe that was the reason why there was so much talk or pressure on your your ankle or or, or your knee um so yeah i I really like that i guess is like luke said though is there any sort of Point where you go, okay, uh, enough is enough. Stop, stop moving altogether. So, like Josh with his lower back pain, you might have backed the load off. But there was there ever a point where you said, okay, you got to stop lifting? Yeah, I Um, guess. Like, how often is that? that Yeah, and how often would that occur?
2: Um, like I rarely ever stop someone um from doing it um unless it's so okay right um unless it's like going on and it, it won't get better
0: yeah yeah
2: that's when i need to be like okay it's not getting better it's affecting the performance um mm-hmm. and it, it will keep impacting the performance you need to pull it down yeah it's start it's a harder question only because it needs to be like very tailored to the person yeah, yeah. um yeah. I, yeah. like if i give a straight answer like uh the general pop i say three hours under three out of ten yeah, yeah. you yeah. know um but uh, it, re- it depends on like their competition. It depends on. For me, I'll if they're not getting better and it's getting worse and worse, and it's still not getting better after two, two, three weeks, I'll start pulling their weight down.
1: Yeah,
2: um, yeah. and I'm like, okay, yeah. you need to you need to change that because that's not gonna help you get better. It's getting it's getting worse. That we need to like pull it back all the way down.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I guess yeah. I guess the answer that I was looking for there is it's rare.
0: It's rare yeah, it's to just totally rare. stop everything. <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah. I think
1: that's what most people do.
0: And I think what you just said then was it was more so about adjusting intensity as opposed yeah. to not not moving, which is- um, You're
2: you, you all like, I will never stop them from completely training. Mm-hmm. You just stop um, some movements. You might stop some movements, but you can actually, 99% of the time you can work around it.
0: Yeah. yeah. Is, yeah. Are there any clients that really have that, uh, psychological problem where they might may have hurt their lower back before. Um, and then it is just purely mindset. Like you're oh, sort of yeah. a- assessing their movement and going, well, everything's moving well. Um, you know, maybe it's just that fear. Like, does that come up often? Cause I mean, lower back in regards to <laughs> yeah. training weights seems to be very common um, yeah. and, a, and a reoccurring issue, I, I would say. So there is times.
2: Yes. Yeah, so, um, oh, there's so, there's heaps. So there's, um, it depends on what the health professional previously has said to them Yeah. or what someone has said to them. So, yeah. um, if you, ca- a lot of the times people come in and they've seen multiple health professionals and the ones that have been told, you'll never do this again. Your back is completely destroyed. Um, you have bulging this everywhere. Don't move in that position. They come in and they, they can't. They just have all these negative emotions towards their back. They have all these um, beliefs mm-hmm. to their back. I, I, I had an, an example was I had this um, uh, bodybuilder. She's a she's a elite like bodybuilder. She won. She, she's three time WBFF champion. Uh, when she came in, she had one. She won two already. She came in and she could not. She she told me I've I haven't squatted in three years, and because my back is just screwed, um, it cannot handle that load. They've told me that I can't. uh, Compression is too much. She was still able to train around it, but she could never. She could not squat. Um, And so I said to her, like, okay, so just when I start talking to her, you start picking out things that they say that are that allude to the fact that, oh my gosh, this person is, it's more mental than anything. Um, and sometimes you can, it could have been a, a physical factor, but now it's settled. But because they're so fearful, they can't get past it. So I had to, I spent a lot of time just slowly introducing to her to a movement. Yeah. And then I also spent a lot of time just sitting there talking to her about what she thought about it. Um, and then I also got her to just do some like desensitization stuff. I challenged her quite a bit. And it, it's depending on the personality, if someone comes in and they're a bit more, you can just see how they, they, they react to, to situations. And I knew that I could challenge her a bit. So I did. I challenged her and I said, um, she was trying to pick up a bag off the floor. And then she got someone else to do it. And I said, why can't you pick it up
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah and yeah. she and so she, she was like no i'm back and i'm like and then i kind of took her attention away and made her do it slowly and she could yeah. and then she was like oh my god i, I don't feel it anymore i'm like yeah you, it's yeah it's because we took the attention away from it yeah. this doesn't work for everyone
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, someone's embedded a hell of a lot of fear in her mind about yeah. a, a movement being dangerous, and yeah, um, when we come and see and people that are specialised in that field, like we, you know, we we trust we trust you guys. So when yes,
2: when that's people right, that's, that's why it's so important and what you say to someone. Like, if you say to someone uh, as a health professional, they've come to you for help as a health professional. So obviously, they think that you know like usually when you go to a professional you think, Oh yeah, you know you must know a lot. Yeah. And if you say something like, No, your back is completely screwed, that puts a lot of fear into that person. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. she was able to squat after an hour and a half. She squatted forty kilos for the like and after an hour and a half of me just talk like treating her, talking to her, getting her moving, she squatted forty kilos in uh in Adonis Paddington right yeah. after we went like yeah, and then her coach was freaking out. <laughs> it was really funny, I and mean, then she did it, and it was
0: like great. Yeah. So you just you used um you, you built a relationship with her where she she trusted in you to to try it again, and um, yeah, it, like you said, slowly introduced it and desensitized it, and yes. th- there she goes. That's cool. Yeah. Talking about backs, I think Luke's got a. Yeah, I think we might kind of uh,
1: move into some common misconceptions, uh, myths, and just some general questions uh, that myself and David had. So you work a lot with uh, the powerlifting um, scene. And I think over the last couple of years, I think the deadlift is is one of the ones that people think, uh, as you kind of alluded to before, a bad for your back. Um, And I think it's one of the ones that people butcher quite a lot. I think... I've noticed, um, I don't know if anyone else has, but over the last couple of years, it's been almost progressive in people pulling uh, and deadlifting with a flex spine. So yeah. I know this is a bit of a can of worms, but when is that um, necessary? Do we have to start with some amount of flexion first to mitigate the flexion you know, um, throughout the lift? Um, or is it a case of just neutral spine as much as we can? Or is it a case of, if it's moving um, through ranges in the in the spine, I know that's a massive question. And again, <laughs> in general, in, in general principles, where do you kind of stand, and where do you? Is that one of the things that you see a lot with people kind of uh, with back pain and stuff like that?
2: Yeah. So with the deadlift, um, I would yes, neutral spine is quite nice to see, um, <laughs> but but neutral spine. People think there are positions that you can never be in, and that's I feel that's a big misconception because I think any position, although it looks bad, can be trained. So it's just a matter of your capacity, the, the capacity the athlete can handle. Um, and if it's trained, like let's say, like round back deadlifts, um, if you pull the bar with a a more lodose spine, a more flex spine, but you're able to maintain that 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 position throughout the lift, that is not an issue. If you pull the bar with a flex spine, and then while in the in the moment of the lift, when you're lifting, it flexes more or the other way around, it changes, that's that's more of an issue. Okay. Yeah. All right. So if you cannot, so, so going back to the active, active control, if you can actively maintain the position on the spine, even though it's in flexion, that's fine. Because it's not doing anything else. It's just staying that position, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and if you think about like, let's say disc, everyone talks about disc. If your disc gets, f- if you get, f- you go into flexion, your disc uh, pushes, the matter pushes posteriorly. But if you are in flexion and you're not moving from flexion, but you're deadlifting, then the disc just stays in the same spot. So that doesn't really affect it.
0: Okay. So I guess one of the most common things you would see, I haven't seen too many people deadlift with a flex back and, and and then see more flexion throughout the movement, but you might see someone set up with a neutral spine and as they, do that initial pull from the ground, then it starts to move into flexion. Is yeah. that where we're seeing issues arise? Like, is that dangerous? So
2: when you go in from neutral and then you flex, yes, that's a problem. Yeah. But yeah. a lot of times also you, you, I don't know, it's a very small thing to see in terms of, after they pull, it changes very slightly and that's a problem too. Okay, okay.
1: and yeah. what about, Starting in like a hyperextended position and then moving to like a neutral position because I know that's common as well.
2: Same thing. So I if think- they they if they stay in a hyper they go into hyperextended and then they go to neutral, that means that they either they either um, their spine has moved into a certain position and eventually yeah. that will there'll be an effect that will have an effect on their facets or whatever. Uh, there will be an extension of pain yeah. somewhat
0: but so, sorry. sorry. So essentially we want to set the spine and the spine, well, it becomes dangerous for the spine when the spine starts to move with external load. So if we yes. set the so- spine, either flexed or neutral and we move, it doesn't change. We're okay. But yes. when we start to move load and the fly uh, the spine changes shape, uh, that's yep. when it's dangerous.
2: And then the la- the last bit, of, uh, would be if you start in an end range flexion of your lumbar load, lumbar. Yeah. If you already start in an end range flexion, there is definitely a higher likelihood of you um, going out of position because yeah, yeah. you're in end range. Yeah. Um, if you're maxing out. You're doing your your your, your um, third attempt of your deadlift. There's a high, high likelihood that it's going to change position
1: yeah. when you're
2: doing like. PBs, there's no chance you're going to maintain perfect form. Otherwise, you're doing it wrong.
0: You're not not lifting your best. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I think, so ideally, neutral spine, encouraged to maintain neutral spine. In certain specific populations that have built up the capacity over time, a small amount of flexion is okay as long as they maintain that through. And if you're (laughs) uh, testing maximally, you might see a little bit of movement.
2: Yes, True. so in um, uh, Chinese weight ollie lifters do you so Chinese ollie lifters go into they practice a lot of technique, like really really good technique, but their accessories involve round back snatch, yeah.
1: right, and a lot yeah. of like um, while we're on the subject, a lot of like hyperextension kind of stuff, yes, yeah. so
2: that if they go out of position in a third attempt in their comms. They can actually um, recover from it. So
1: yeah, they're just they're really
0: strong.
2: strong. Resilient, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, and which is why, like, movements that people think are like, oh, that that doesn't look right, yeah. Uh, you can actually train that if yeah. you yeah. In- load slowly.
0: Yeah.
1: Incrementally.
0: Yeah. 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 Cool. yeah. That's awesome. Mm. And then we that covered it really that well. covered it really well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm <laughs> loving. I'm loving these
0: responses. <laughs> it's yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Like, i need like, I need to stop talking so they can talk. <laughs> no, no, no. This
0: is what it's about. Like, we yeah. want you to answer it. We're, yeah. you know, we You're want the to pick expert. your brain. You're the expert. So, um, and this is what we want our, our clients to hear. So, so I think we might move
1: into, uh, I kind of alluded to it before, a little bit, a bit of mobility work because I think CrossFitters struggle. struggle. Um, especially with overall movement quality. And as as we said, weightlifting is quite high demands um, for certain ranges. So if someone was looking to improve, um, I mean, I know we talked about the hip and stuff like that, but looking to improve their mobility, are we looking at it through like a strength through range kind of perspective? Are we looking to Like just, again, generally, principles, are we looking to uh, create some short-term kind of range through there and then look for strength work? I know a lot of people on their kind of rest days or their mobility days, they're doing a lot of static stretching, a lot of trigger ball work, and they're not having that integrated approach where they're using that short-term range after they've created it, essentially. Um, Yeah,
2: so uh, in terms of crossfitters, like they have the uh, Olympic weightlifting component, the gymnastics component. That they need, like, um, mobility in, tend to find, yes, static stre- Okay, so uh, we'll talk about trigger ball and.
0: <laughs> Another can of worms.
2: <laughs> and stretching first, yeah. So, um, yes, I feel like all of those are necessary, exactly like manual therapy. It gets you that mobility, that passive mobility. Um, but I would actually encourage them to then do some end range uh, FRC stuff or like some movement patterning to maintain that, that, that um, passive mobility that they just got. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of, let's talk static stretching first. So yep. in terms of static stretching, it is quite useful, um, especially in like gymnastics and like, so I see quite a few divers as well. One, uh, some Josh's sister, she does a lot of static stretching and that is really good for her because that allows her to get into the positions easily. That feeling of getting to those positions easy, easily. If you think of st- static stretch, stretching, you are putting the muscle to that point where you can feel that pull or that stretch. Now, if you keep putting that muscle into that point, um, you if you keep putting that muscle in that point, it won't feel as much of a stretch, yes? So for her to be able to, to get into that that range quickly, it will be really good for her because she'll get there really fast without thinking of that pull. Now what we do as well is we give her um, stability and like movement patterning stuff um, out of that as well to get that range easily. So I think in terms of strength, strength is very important to get mobility. Strength is very important to get hypermobility you need that control too. So she's very mobile. She needs control in that range, but she also needs to statically stretch to be able to get to that range a lot quicker and yeah. without thinking, you know, does that make sense?
1: I think so. Yeah. It's, it's still, um, it's rarely just having one type of, um, what, what, like a you're not just static stretching alone. You're not just trigger balling alone. You're not just doing these certain things alone. You're pairing it with something else that's going to be more specific to what you're trying to achieve.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so you would still like you would still do
0: so let's let
2: kind of mobility work, any kind of stretching. Um but you would pair it with like some active mobility, some movement patterning. Um and the other thing is if you're um, well,
0: my brain's going everywhere. Right? Yeah, I can see it. <laughs> Let, let's say, for example, like let's say for a lot of people when we're cleaning or we're snatching in CrossFit, uh, I guess the thoracic spine's quite a bit of an issue. Um, is just sitting on the foam roller and, and you know, mobilizing that area uh, a couple of times a week, is that going to improve their front rack? And I know there's a lot more to the front rack than just the T-spine yeah. <laughs> the overhead. Position, yeah. or do they need to really be strengthening and and completely mobilizing okay. the whole area as well? Is I guess what we're we're sort yeah. of yeah in
2: right. Definitely, stretching will not help you get there. It will yeah. help you feel like you can get there for a bit, but it will like once you start putting on load, it will not help you get there. Yeah. So, in terms of that, if you can, if you just stretch, that will you won't improve. You yeah. need to get you need to stretch or release, and then find out, get that end range with that, that activation work, like find out why you can't front rack. So yeah. if you go to front rack, you've got elbow um, elbow flexion, you've got thoracic extension, you've got wrist extension, yeah. you've got your neural ulnar mobility kind of thing. You need a lot of tricep strength. Okay, oh, this is another thing. So people love the concentric phase of stuff. But yeah. they never been in the eccentric phase of things. Yeah. yeah. So in this position, you're thinking this is elbow flexion in my front rack. This is also eccentric elbow extension.
0: Yeah.
2: So I need my tricep to be strong enough in a lengthened position to be able to get there. If my triceps are weak, mm-hmm. I have no chance of getting my tricep lengthen eccentrically to get to that position.
0: That's so awesome.
2: I actually give tricep exercises. To people to get that front rack, because if I can do, if I can just if I can pull out, but I can't bring it back in. So if I'm doing a tricep push down, if I can't bring it back in with control, there's no chance I'm going to be able to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. So, so like I might try and mobilize the T spine for a bit, and then I might grab a barbell and spend some time um, doing some controlled front squats, really focusing on keeping my chest proud, my elbows high um, to improve that position before going and then cleaning and, or, or doing some heavy snatching? Like, am I trying to mobilize and then activate um, to get into a better position?
2: So you're going to mobilize. So let's say thoracic spine, I yep. would mobilize um, thoracic foam roller. Yeah, right. And then I might do my lats to get to get a position, but I need an, the middle point before you do your, your front squats. I need the middle point, which is the activation. What ac- activation will I do? I do some prone thoracic extensions and get those muscles activating.
0: Yeah, awesome. That
2: will get the position better. I'll do some lat eccentric. Yeah. So I'll pull down, but I'll let it pull. I'll like control the eccentric component of it. Mm-hmm. Then I'll go into my front squat.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's perfect. I guess what we're sort of getting at is a majority of people are just spending time on a trigger ball yeah, or a foam roller it. and expecting to get results. They're again, not implementing those activation strengthening. Um, yeah.
2: They won't. That, like just the foam roller and just the trigger ball won't really do much. It'll make you feel good though. Like not, yeah. I don't think don't do, do it. Compl- like don't, I won't say stop doing it and make you yeah. feel good, yeah. but you need to capture that active uh, capture that range as yeah. soon as possible. Yeah. And yeah. how you do that is by using, using those muscles like activating yeah. the right components. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's fantastic. So it's like the same thing or well, a similar kind of principle, um, used to rehab an injury to kind of prehab.
2: Um, yeah. And also, um, rehab is quite similar to strength and conditioning.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah,
2: similar, just, just a bit less like so strength and conditioning in terms of loaded weight and stuff is higher, yeah, it's actually you know what it's actually quite like very similar, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah,
0: I think there's gonna be a lot of people listening to this going. I've never, I've been to the physio my whole life and I've never experienced this. Like they rub my joint and put yeah. some heat through it and then yeah, give massage. me some wall exercises and then tell me I'm good to go again.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, we had this crossfitter come in. I <laughs> this crossfitter come in um, and she had 12 weeks of shoulder pain and then we she couldn't snatch. So we got her snatching in that session. So then she went and told me, she was like, oh, I saw like all the crossfit box and I said, Come to this magical place. <laughs> <laughs>
1: make sure you bring your
0: lifters. I'm like, oh, thank you. That, that <laughs> sure. make sure you bring your lifters. I think <laughs> that <laughs> you bring yeah, hundred percent. I think that's a
1: massive thing. Like a lot of the, the physios and um, the therapists around, they don't have an area where there's a squat rack yeah. or a barbell.
2: Yeah. Oh man, that. That that, oh, that aggravates me a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty cool. Like, honestly, I've only just seen it as as recent, like your facility, um, and maybe one or two others where yeah. people are actually going in and being treated by a therapist, and they actually have a a weights room and a barbell, and and they're actually taking people through movements.
2: Really need that for like athlete development, like you can't if you don't have uh, any strength equipment. I don't think you can be effective physio, even yeah. with the general pop. Yeah. yeah. Because I, the, like we still do get general population come in and we treat them exactly the same way, but just like we make it easier, obviously, but they get so much stronger and so much like, better faster. Like so
0: yeah. much. Yeah. So one, one quick question, cause you've mentioned it a, a few times, uh, weightlifting shoes, something you definitely recommend. Um, when squatting or, or doing Olympic lifting? Like, is it a must or um, what, what, what's your thoughts around that?
2: Weightlifting shoes depends on the leverages. Um, if, it, if you're an ollie lifter, definitely encourage you to have weightlifting shoes because you want to catch the bar as low as possible. You literally want your butt on the ground. So the, any kind of leverage that it gives you to get deeper in a squat you would utilize. So you're gonna benefit I do from like weightlifting shoes. Um, but if you're a power lifter, it depends. So okay. if you're a power lifter and you you have your left, you find it really you're more quad dominant. You could potentially use weightlifting shoes. Um, but if you're a power lifter and you have you're so hypermobile that you can get your butt to the ground, think about the rules of powerlifting. If um, and if you, the rules of powerlifting is when you squat, your hip crease needs to be below the um, patella to make it, to make it a, a white light. Yeah? yeah. So to make it a good lift. If you go so far down, you actually, you kind of are wasting a bit of energy. You can yeah. do that. if You can maintain tightness. But why would you put lifters again on someone that can go so far down when yeah. the rules is just hip, yeah. uh, knee below, hip below knee crease? just wait it's a it, it's kind of a waste of energy
0: yeah is but that why then most then, mo, yeah. most power lifters high bar uh, low bar back squat sorry yeah yeah
2: yeah so it it depends on the individual and then but also at the same time you think of quad versus uh anterior chain versus posterior chain if you are quite quad dominant potentially you'd put some um, heels on so that you can use your push with your toes and use those quads to get, get you standing up. If you are a lot more posterior chain dominant, then you would use flats because you want to utilize your heel push.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Makes sense. Cool. Yeah.
2: But, but (laughs) if you're a posterior chain lifter, that's very strong in your posterior chain, but you wanted to strengthen your quartz, then I'll put lifters on you.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 You
0: don't just ignore that that <laughs> weakness, do you? You're gonna benefit no, from no. strengthening both. Every,
2: every little thing is important. Like especially when you get super elite, every little thing that can be uh, changed by like one centimeter or one millimeter is is an improvement performance.
0: It's gonna help. <laughs> yeah. 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 We might um got one more question. Well, one more, if we can just touch on it, because it is a big one in, in CrossFit, um, and that would be some maybe effective ways to improve your overhead mechanics. Um, yep. You know, for a lot a lot of CrossFitters, they're trying to do kipping bar muscle-ups or kipping pull-ups. They're also trying to snatch and, and handstand walk and, and all the rest of it. Um, and that seems to be a huge problem um, and where a lot of injuries occur. Is there any sort of tips to, you know, effectively improving it?
2: Okay, so for overhead mobility, a lot of I see a lot of crossfitters don't have overhead mobility, but they do a lot of overhead movements. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so if you see, like, when you get them to actually lift their arm, instead of lifting their arm straight up, they do this.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, and that's upward rotation of the scapula. So I would get. I would suggest that they do some a lot of more upward rotation of the scapular work, which is. So have you seen the downward dog? So yeah. it's like a yoga move, but they when they use it, they just stretch. They don't. Uh, it's more than just a stretch. If you can change the uh, intention of the exercise, so if you go into a downward dog and you push with the palm of your hand, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. that actually utilizes. So it's all your upward rotators, which is your serratus, your lower traps, and your upper traps, yeah. right? And that can be like a good activation drill to get overhead. Um, and you you don't have to do downward dog first, that's the harder part. You can start off with just like putting your hands on, like, on the, and then pushing away.
0: Yeah.
2: And literally when you push away, like push away and shrug, that gets all your upward rotators going. That improves overhead mobility. Um, but if you think about it, that's actually what uh, gymnasts do as well, yeah. and that's a yeah. huge
0: sense. I think um, my biggest takeaway from that is so many people, and you see it in CrossFit, they uh, they kind of just skip through those kind of warm up movements that we might do. Um, they yeah. don't do them with intent, um, and yeah. never really get any benefits from them. So. Uh, that'd be a, that'd be a really good tip for people. There needs um, to be
2: intention in that movement. There needs to yeah. be intention to what you are trying to turn, what muscles you're trying to turn on to achieve what mobility, to yeah. get that. Yeah. So. Fantastic. Mm. Yeah, that's
0: cool. Perfect. So, where can people find you? Instagram handle, Facebook, uh, physical location. Um, physical location.
2: Um, I'm so my personal profile is powerlifting underscore physio. My business profile is PB Physio Um, and I am in Marrickville. I'm also in Paddington. And then we also have Castle Hill, Adonis Castle Hill and Dooley's in Litcombe. Wow.
0: Awesome. That's fantastic. (laughs) Cool. And uh, website at all or or mainly through?
2: www.pbphysiotherapy.com.au
0: Fantastic. Well, Thank you very much for your time. Yeah, that was amazing. I love that chat. Yeah, that was <laughs> took a lot from it. Yeah, that was really yeah. good. We, we appreciate
1: it. Thank you very much. Um, I've got no doubt that I'll be, if I've got any niggles or anything, I'll be I'll be in contact. Yeah, I'm coming I, out. We should
2: actually, meet up in person. I'll come yeah. by. the yeah. This whole thing is settled, or or send a, send your message. <laughs> yeah,
0: we'll actually would probably sense, even get you down to uh, the gym and do a, a workshop for us. Yeah.
2: Yeah that sounds I great.
0: That, I think that'd be really fantastic. So we'll we'll definitely tee that up. Okay.
2: Awesome. It was nice talking to you guys. Right. Nice talking to you. Thank,
0: thank, you, thank you, you so much, much for your time. time. You, Take bye. care.